Well, again, happy Mother's Day uh, to all the mothers out there. Again, as the sign says out, outside, uh, your love truly changes the world. You know, oftentimes we think about, you know, political things, and we look to the government, all that, but really it's, it's a mother's love and the father's too that change the world, that make a huge difference. And so we thank you today. And we are continuing our series on conflict resolution. And, you know, moms, not all moms, but some moms give us sort of a master class in conflict resolution every week. Um, I know that I needed that class. Wendy, when our kids were growing up, they're only, our kids are um, 15 months apart. And so they would fight a lot. And, you know, and from my upbringing and stuff, like when, when there's conflict, I'd just say, knock it off, right? That was my answer. Wendy would look at me like, that's not that helpful, you know, <laughs> just telling the kids, knock it off. Uh, whereas she would say, you know, she'd get them down, get onto their level and say, oh, you know, um, you, you need to understand your brother and sister. You need to put yourself in their shoes. All the sort of conflict resolution stuff that, uh, you know, we'll be talking about. And, you know, I've grown in that in a lot of ways. But uh, moms, they're the natural peacemakers often. And, and they're the ones who, uh, again, uh, help resolve conflict. Uh, and... As we talk about this, we're going to look at some biblical principles for conflict resolution, why it's so important to resolve conflict, but also how we do that. Uh, so we'll look at the Bible. The other place we're going to look at is, um, uh, if you go to that next slide, that this book, Resolving Conflict by Lou Priolo, uh, gives some great concepts. So a lot of this stuff that I'm giving to you is from the Bible and from, from his work, uh, which is good because if I, as, as, you said, as I just said, I'm not that great at conflict resolution. Knock it off, right? Um, but God has grown me a lot in that, and a lot of that is through my wife and, and, and uh, family. So conflict is, uh, is inevitable, because right? we, we live in a, a fallen world. We're fallible human beings. We're frail human beings, and we've been given free will. So conflict is inevitable. Uh, but conflict doesn't have to be sinful. Uh, and it's also an opportunity because in the midst of conflict, we often grow. And in the midst of conflict, we can reflect God who sent his son Jesus to be the great reconciler between God and people. So how we resolve conflict can really reflect on the God who is the God of reconciliation. So there's a, an opportunity there. Now, I know a lot of us, we want to avoid conflict because, con and we see conflict as sinful, but conflict doesn't have to be sinful. Uh, oftentimes, we think of it that way because in the midst of conflict, we're more prone to sin, right? We're more prone to lash out, but it doesn't have to be that way. And in fact, God calls us to resolve conflict in a way that glorifies him and helps us and one another grow. So we're going to look at some principles, and the command uh, that we've been looking at, our focus scripture, is Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. So let me read that. We started this last week, but we're going to look at it again today. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So as we see here, that being eager to maintain unity and preserve the bond of peace, that, that's resolving conflict, right? If we're connected to preserve that bond, we have to resolve 
conflict. And the context here is that in the first three chapters of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is saying, yeah, in Jesus, he has reconciled you to God, that it's not by your works, but by God's grace that you've been saved and reconciled to God. And he's made all these different types of people who are in conflict. He's reconciled them together. And he goes through all of the wonder and, and the, uh, the blessings that we have in the first three chapters of Ephesians. And then in, in chapter four is that, all right, and because of that, Walk in a way that's worthy of the calling. Uh, live in a way that reflects all the grace that God has given you. And one of those ways is resolving conflict, is maintaining the bond of peace, the unity of the Spirit. It's a way that we can reflect the gift and step into the gifts that God has given us. And so over the, the, these, this short series in May, we're going to learn, all right, what does it mean to maintain the unity and the bond of, 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 uh, of peace so that all of our connections can deepen? And it's important. One of the reasons we've returned to this series is um, because we did the same series like three years ago is that 2022, we, t we were talking about it being a year of connection, right? Connecting to God, connecting to one another, connecting to our community, well, to connect to one another, right, we need to be able to resolve conflict because so many times we have conflict, what do we do? Instead of resolving it and getting deeper connected, like we bolt, right? We avoid the conflict. But no, if we're truly going to have a deep connection as a body of believers, we need to learn how to do this. And in order to reflect God, we, we need to learn how to do this. And let's face it, we're always in conflict, right? There's always conflict in our lives. So it's always good to return to these uh, issues. And last week, we talked about how true conflict resolution starts in the heart. A conflicted heart conflicts, but uh, our actions, our words, the Scripture says that everything flows from the heart, so that it's more than just learning a couple of maybe communication strategies, although those, those things are good, and, and, and resolution techniques, it's really first a heart issue and that if we have hearts that are full of these qualities that Ephesians talks about, we'll be able to prevent conflict and resolve conflict. And what I'm talking about is in verse 2, uh, Paul points out four necessary heart attitudes for walking in this worthy way, for maintaining the bond of peace. It's verse 2, with all humility and gentleness... So last week we talked about those two qualities, humility and gentleness. And if you missed that, then you, know, you, you can get, go on our website, there's a podcast, all of that, where you can review that, uh, those two heart qualities. But then the second uh, half of that verse, so with all humility and gentleness, with patience and bearing with one another in love. So today we're going to look at those second two, patience and bearing with one another in love. Because those heart qualities, if we have these in our heart, we're so much more likely to resolve conflict, so much more likely to prevent conflict. But the, the inverse is true, that if our hearts are full of pride, impatience, of always having to have things our way, then we're going to increase conflict. So let's go through these two. Patience and bearing with one another in love. All right, what is patience? I hear doctors have a lot of patience. Um, I hear you have a lot of patience for my bad dad jokes. Um, 
Now, what is patience? Patience, a, a definition I have here, is faithfully enduring bad or less than ideal people or circumstances. Okay? So faithfully, a, a biblical definition of patience, faithfully enduring bad or less than ideal people or circumstances. And the Greek word often translated patience is long, it can be long-suffering, makrothemia, like long-suffering. Now, the opposite of patience would be being quick to complain, quick to give up, quick to blow up, right? Makes sense. Which I also don't understand, you know, a very popular Mother's Day flower is impatience. I mean, why would you buy your mom that? I don't get it, but um, all right, I'm done. I'm done with the dad jokes. Maybe, unless one pops in my head again. Um, so let me give you some examples of impatience. Um, and think about how they might cause conflict or maybe symptoms of impatience. Number one, uh, quickly giving up on people. Right? So they didn't change. They didn't perform to my standards quick enough, so I'm done with them. Right? That's an example of, of impatience. And think about how that would cause conflict because people don't like being given up on. Or you give up before there's a con uh, the conflict's resolved. Number two, when I really want something, I use any means necessary to get what I want, even if it's sinful. So maybe pressuring the other person to get your way, manipulation, passive-aggressive, lying, any of that. Well, of course, people don't like that. That causes conflict. Number three, not giving others enough time to finish speaking or working on something without stepping in to finish it myself. That's impatience. And of course, that causes conflict because people don't like being controlled. People don't like their work being sort of dismissed. And then number four, when facing hardships, I am most concerned with God taking my suffering away rather than first seeing what, God, what work God is doing in me through the situation. Well, that's a hard one, isn't it? So many times when hard things are going on, we could, God, remove this. Well, what if instead we said, God, what are you doing in this? Why am I going through this? First, show me. But so many times we just want him to fix it instead of growing us in the midst of it. All right, so... Now I think we're all convinced that, all right, yeah, we could use a little more patience. Uh, that's, this is one of the easy ones. You know, sometimes when you're going through quality, it's like, yeah, you got to convince people that they really need. Most of us are like, yeah, I'm, I'm impatient. There's many times and many situations I'm impatient. So how do we cultivate that, though? Because we want to be patient because we want to be peacemakers. We want to be conflict resolvers. How do we cultivate patience? Well, I think the, the primary way is to go to the God of all patience, is to cultivate a hope in God. Because when we don't, a couple reasons. We hope, we hope in God to do and intervene, and we know nothing is impossible with God. So if our true hope lies in God, then there's, there's always that hope that, that God is going to intervene, and that waiting for him to intervene isn't an empty thing, where rather it's, well, when God gets involved, anything is possible. And the reason I bring this up is that oftentimes, when, why do we give up? Why do we lose patience and give up or blow up? It's because we lose hope. I mean, think about it. If you don't have hope, that's when you give up. 
that's when you lose your patience. But if we have our hope in God, then we always know if God intervenes, then even what seems impossible is possible. So cultivate a hope in God. Not only that, but when we look to God, we see that he gives patience, that he, the, the Holy Spirit, right, gives patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So that when we are at the end of our, in, our patience, and, and again, we quickly see that, often when our patience is tested and we blow up, that's when we say, oh God, I, I'm not a patient person. Well, that's when we look to God and say, God, give me what I don't have. Give me your patience, your love. So by focusing on God, putting our hope in Him, it transforms us and cultivates us. So it's not just about trying harder. It's about transformation through God's grace. That's why Psalm 130, verse 5 through 7, talks about how faith really, faith is, is about waiting in God, on God. So uh, Psalm 130, verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. Again, faith and patience are, are closely attached together. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Again, there's that, that idea that we can wait on the Lord, and that if our hope is in Him, we can patiently wait for Him to intervene. Because again, wait, waiting is not, when it comes to God, when you're waiting on the Lord, when you're hoping in the Lord, it's not an empty thing like, oh, I'm just waiting and not doing anything. No, when we wait on the Lord, it's an active waiting. It's through prayer. It's through truly looking to God and saying, God, intervene in this. And when our, our minds are set on Him, again, that cultivates hope, which cultivates patience to wait on Him. Also, as I said, the next thing we can do is, is we give up on situations when there's no hope. So not only do we hope in God, but we can also cultivate hope in the situation. What I mean by that is if we give hope, uh, when we give up hope, we, we give up. Well, fill your mind with times in your life when waiting paid off. Okay, these, this is, again, this is a way to cultivate hope, is, uh, is to cultivate patience, excuse me. Think about those times in your life where you were patient, and it paid off. There's so many stories I know that we could share where you're like, wow, you know, I, I waited, I waited, and then, you know, the, the, the patient, my patience paid off. Uh, I, there's so many, again, so many um, examples we could use, but I'll just take one from the Bible. I think of Hannah, because it's Mother's Day, so I'm going to use Hannah the mom, right? Hannah wanted a child so badly, and she waited on the Lord, and she prayed, and she patiently waited and waited for years and years, and, you know, other people were getting pregnant and all this stuff and having babies, but not her. But then God intervened and blessed Hannah with a child, with Samuel. And, and Samuel was one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. I mean, it is worth the wait right there. So we can cultivate patience in ourselves when we think of those times where patience paid off. Another way to cultivate patience is get an eternal perspective. It, we become impatient when we become trapped in our little world and our little perspective. And, you know, a week seems like a long time when you're trapped in yourself, does it not? 
But when you think about God and his eternity and a day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is his one day, and you think about his purposes, his promises, and, and eternity, it puts things in a different perspective. So cultivate an eternal perspective. Now here's really kind of a, a very nuts and bolts kind of thing, but maybe I'm adding this one more for myself um, than anyone. Grant at least... When you're in a conflict with someone or you're just discussing something, grant the other person you're disagreeing with at least the same time that you had to come to your conclusions and decisions. So what I mean by that, and again, especially for leadership things, is, you know, I'm always thinking about church stuff. I'm always, you know, thinking about things and discussing with staff, discussing in different committees. Hey, you know, we should do this. We should do that. And, you know, many times I've had discussed or thought about something for months before we say, hey, all right, church, this is what we're going to do. But it's new to other people, right? Well, this is the first we've heard about it. And so we need to be patient and grant other people the same amount of time. You know, I've been thinking about it for six months. Give the other person that time to process and think and discuss. And a lot of times, if you patiently wait for that, well, then they'll, they'll come on board. So that's another thing to cultivate patience. Another thing, trust that God is building you in the waiting. He's building you towards Christ-likeness. Because here, here's the bad news. One of the only ways to build patience is to have your patience stretched. That's why a lot of, you know, some of you, when you're asked, you know, Pastor, can you pray for me? Such and such is happening. And, you know, I'm like, all right, I'll pray for patience. You're like, no, no, please don't, don't. <laughs> because you know that one of the ways that God will build patience in us is to test the patience, is to stretch us. James 1, verse 2 and 4 says, Count it all a joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, as God um, stretches us, it, our faith, our, our patience, he's growing us to be more like Christ. And so that's why James has counted all a joy. Um, yeah, the, the, the particular difficulty isn't joyous, but in that, as God is growing us, we can find joy that God is making us more like himself, make growing our patience. And so we know that, you know, patience, it's crucial to preventing conflict, to resolving conflict, because if you're patient, then oftentimes you, it keeps you from blowing up or giving up. So patience is a, is a great uh, conflict preventer. But it's also a conflict resolver in that some of our conflicts, some of the issues we have, it, they take a while to get resolved, right? Is that you might be in conflict with someone and they keep messing up, right? They keep messing up. Um, or you have to wait for that person to come to that place where they're even able to do what's necessary to restore the peace. You know, issues, they sometimes need to be revisited over and over again. And so we have to have that patience because a lot of times the difficult conflicts take a lot of time to resolve. You know, what? just one example from long ago before 
uh, we had children. We were in a Bible study uh, with, with various married couples, and we were all different ages. And there was um, one couple who, whose, whose kids, they were just, or, or teenager, just turned 13. And she was having such difficulty with her, her teen, right? And, and I remember this older couple who had, their kids had already grown up, grown up and, and she said to this, this mom said to the other mom, and it stuck with me, she's like, all right, just get through these, this two-year period, <laughs> you know, that as you, you know, be patient with your kids and wait, just wait, because right now their bodies are going through so many changes, so socially changing so much. Just be patient for this year, and it will, lots of things will work itself out. And I, it is true, and I remembered that, so that when my kids grew up and, and got to be teenagers and whatnot, I just remembered that advice and that some things just take time, take a couple of years to take, so that that person, that teen in this case, can get to the point where they can't even think in a straight way to actually work through things. But patience... Patience, we, we get that from connecting with God. We hope in God. And, and a, a, a heart of patience is what we need to resolve conflicts. All right, we better go to this last one, right? We come to our last attitude. So there's patience. And the other one uh, that's listed here in Ephesians 4, 2, right? With all humility and gentleness, with patience. The last one, bearing with one another in love. Now, this is the ESV translation. Some of your translations might say tolerance, right, as a quality. Others might use loving forbearance because that's kind of what they're getting at. What is bearing with one another? It's, it's loving forbearance. It's tolerance. It's, it's similar to patience in that you're enduring something that you're not okay with, but in this case, it focuses on the personal aspect. So patients can, can talk about situations or, or whatever, but, but uh, bearing with one another in love, that's talking about people, right? People that you're disagreeing with. So the opposite of this would be being dismissive, being intolerant of differences. And love, because remember, the, the the whole, the big commandments, right? Love God and love people. So when we talk about resolving conflict, any of this stuff, really it's a way to express loving our neighbor. And love is, is intrinsic, intrinsically tolerant. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love bears all things, right? Bear with one another in love. It endures all things. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 8 says, love covers a multitude of sins, so tolerance means that we, uh, in love, recognize that, that God has made people differently than us. That sometimes there's going to be disagreements. But we also allow that other person the freedom to live differently, to think differently, and act in a different way than you would. Right? That makes sense. Because here's the thing, if you don't exhibit loving forbearance, then almost any difference you have with another human being is going to be a conflict, right? Because you're like, wait, you're different. You should do like I do. Causes conflict. God has made people differently with different personalities, different ideas. And again, I think of mothers, well, all parents, when 
you know, you have kids and they're growing up, one of the challenges is your kids, sometimes they're like you, but other times they're a lot different. And you've got to go through and manage this. All right, they're doing things a lot different than I would, but as, especially as they grow and they become uh, teenagers and adults, you've got to get to that point where like, all right, I wouldn't do it that way, but I'm going to lovingly forbear with you. I'm going to tolerate that you're a different person with a different personality. And moms do this really well. And if you combine that with patience, Again, that often resolves conflict. Uh, I think, again, of my wife who, um, my son, he got this from me. But my son, he doesn't do it anymore. He just stopped the last couple of years. But he would leave all the cabinet doors open all the time. And it, the thing is, is he just doesn't even see it. Like a cabinet door, it might as well be open or closed. In his mind, it doesn't register. It would drive Wendy crazy. But she, you know, she lovingly forbid. Yeah, she'd remind him in a loving way. And then finally, I think now he's 23, he doesn't do that anymore, right? So it took patience and loving forbearance. But this idea of first, you know, understanding, all right, how could you not even see that? Like, doesn't that bother you? And actually it didn't. And so a part of that loving forbearance is understanding that God has made different people in different ways and being okay that way. People do things differently. Um, and in the context of Ephesians, he's really talking about as brothers and sisters learning to lovingly forbear. Because as Chrissy mentioned, when we are adopted into God's family, then we have those family connections. And so that as a church family, we realize that God has given different people different gifts and different talents and different personalities. But the thing that unifies us is that we are a family in Christ. That we are all redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And that we have the same Heavenly Father. And, and, and that unifies us. But when it comes to the other stuff, there has to be loving forbearance. And in a church setting, you know, if so many conflicts would be avoided if our default setting to relating to other people who are different from us was loving forbearance. Like if our first response was always, all right, that's different. I'm not sure about that. But I'm going to lovingly forbear with you as opposed to, that's different, so I want to change it because I want it to get according to what I like. Say, how many church conflicts would be avoided if that was our first reaction? Because there's so many different ways to do things um, in, in a church setting. I mean, let, let's even think about the Lord's Supper. There's so many different ways to do the Lord's Supper. And we've actually experienced that with the pandemic, right? We changed the way we do it. But also just even think about the Lord's Supper. Some people call it the Lord's Supper. Some people call it communion. Some people call it the Eucharist. Right? There's so many different ways to do things. That's why I also I always encourage people, like, you know, when you go on a mission trip or something and you go to a church in, uh, in another country or in another culture and see, wow, they do things really differently, but they're really worshiping God and the important things. It opens our minds and helps us with our forbearance so much. So I guess the first thing is to cultivate that forbearance is understand that, you know, God has made people differently and allow others that freedom to live and think and act in different ways. And although this applies to all relationships and, and stuff like that and applies to the church, we also have to realize that we also have to lovingly forbear with folks that are, are not in our church family or not even Christians. And that can be the hard part. 
Uh, well, there, it's always hard. All of it's hard. But it, it can be hard in that, you know, if, if you come from a different worldview, you know, we believe that, that God is active in the world, that he has a standard. We believe that the scriptures are the word of God. And so when we have a conflict, we're supposed to and we should go to the scriptures and search them and say, all right, we disagree on this, but really the important thing is what does God think and, and work through this and we have a standard, uh, the word of God. Uh, whereas when we're in conflict with others that aren't necessarily Christians, it can be more difficult because we don't have that common place where, oh, we can work through the look at the Word of God. Nonetheless, it still takes loving forbearance. And it's important, and we'll get into this next week, when it comes to resolving conflict, to understand the difference between a sin issue and a non-sin issue. So that in the church of God, right, we, the, the Bible um, defines what's sin and what's not. And if it's a, a non-sin issue, then really the way to resolve the conflict has to be loving forbearance. It has to be bearing with one another in love. Now, if it's a sin issue and it's chronic, well, then that calls for loving confrontation and hopefully forgiveness and repentance. And we'll get into that next week. Uh, so let me, just, let me give you an example of the difference. So let's just say you know, there's a person who, who just goes on and on talking all the time, right? That's just their personality. They talk and talk and talk, and they don't really ever get to their point, but they just talk all the time. That's just their personality, right? What's the, what's the, what's the way, what's the reaction? Loving forbearance, right? Tolerance. Is that how God just made them with that kind of personality? So, you know, there's no need for a conflict. That's just, again, they're just different, as opposed to so-and-so goes on talking and talking and talking about other people, that's gossip, right? And, and that, and even then, the, the first time you hear it, you might make, okay, well, you know, everyone makes a mistake. I might sort of lovingly forbear, forgive that first time. But if it keeps going on and on, then what's the goal? The goal is to get someone to get closer to God. So loving confrontation. I'm like, you know, that's, that's not what God calls us to do. So you see, you see the difference there. You don't confront with someone like, hey, you just talk all the time but never get to your point, and I don't like it, blah, blah, blah. No, loving forbearance. But if the person, you know, you, you talk about other people and put them down so much and all this, like, that's gossip. That's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for others. You see the difference? And so a part, though, of resolving conflict is making sure that not making a non-sin issue into a sin issue, but it's also, yeah, telling the difference and we'll get into it more next week about forgiveness and how to treat when you've been sinned against. Um, but the goal in all of the loving forbearance is always what will help this person in the conflict take a step to God. Because oftentimes, if you have a conflict and you, and you say, all right, what's the most loving? How, how can this person take a step towards God? It's Loving forbearance, it's patience. It's all right, I'm just going to let it go and, and we'll see what happens. But then other times it's, well, actually, this issue needs to be addressed, so we're going to address it. But the goal, right, the purpose is always, am I helping this person draw closer to God? That's sort of the, the rule of thumb. All right, I'm out of time, but I want, want to quickly give you some ways to develop loving forbearance because we all need this. All right. So let's start really nuts and bolts. If for every thing that you notice that you don't like about the person that's annoying you, okay, maybe starting to have conflict, <laughs> notice something good. Notice something good. 
So let's say your spouse is just doing, like leaving the cabinets open again or something and, and say, all right, this is driving me crazy. I'm going to blow up. Instead, notice, all right, I don't like what they do there, but let me think about something they do that I do like. That helps giving an all or nothing kind of approach because usually that's what happens, right? We focus on that one thing we're in conflict and when we, whatever we focus on gets bigger and so it gets bigger and bigger and now it's all or nothing, so blow up as opposed to, all right, I don't like this, but no, before I even say anything, what's a good thing that this person does? Number two, understand that when God brings someone with a lot of differences in your life, he may be bringing those differences into your life to expand your ideas so that you don't automatically assume that my way is always the right way or my way is always the Christian way. God brings different people to say, no, no, like this is from my word. This is just you and your your upbringing or your culture or whatever. God brings different people into our life to open our minds that way. Number three, define your core values. We've done that as a church because you don't want to uh, have a conflict over these secondary things that don't matter. No, what's the most important things that we can agree on? Fourth, remember the things that you are trying to overcome so that you can give patience and forbearance to the other person. So in other words, someone is, is doing something you don't like and they keep doing it, but you know it's a process and you need to lovingly forbear as they work through their issues. Well, it's helpful when you think of, oh, well, God has been helping me with this issue and he's been helping with me with this issue for several years. And then that helps remind us to give loving forbearance to another person. And then finally, when being judgmental, and we all, well, that all happens, Right? Pray for the person first. Pray for them first. You're like, I don't like this. They should stop this, whatever. Say, all right, Lord, I pray for this person. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that we would, we would be walking in one accord. I, all of this, you pray for them first. And it's amazing how God will give you his loving forbearance for that person because you don't have it yourself. So the key in all of these things is we consider, all right, Patience, loving forbearance, and wanting to grow in them so that we can be peacemakers. We have to first and foremost go to God. And he will give us these things. Because if you're here today and you haven't trusted in Christ, then you're actually still in conflict with God. You're in conflict with God. God, the, the, the creator and sustainer of the universe, has done all, you know, given you life and saved you, and you're like, no, nah, no thanks. And God, in his loving forbearance, he didn't wipe us out right away. Instead, he sent his son to die for our sins, to reconcile us to himself. And, and so when we focus on that, we need him. And so if, if you haven't been reconciled to God, be reconciled to God. But if you have been reconciled to God, then give what you got. <laughs> God gave you such, such patience, right? He has is, he is endured your constant running away from him, your constant slander of him, your, your, your constant not going along with his will and his ways. He patiently endured, and he still gave Jesus. And if you've received that, if you're a Christian here today, then let that fill you and then give what you got. 
So that's the key, is Christ is the key, because I know so many of us, and me too, when we read this, I'm like, oh, I'm not patient. I don't lovingly forbear. I'm not humble. All of this, yes, exactly. That's why Christ came. That's why Christ died for us, and that's why he gives us his Holy Spirit so that we don't just have ourselves. We don't just have our own humility or patience or anything. We have his. And so if you're here today, first of all, be reconciled to God. But if you have been reconciled to God, then ask him to fill you with his goodness, his transformation, and then step into this. You know, as we sing this last song, as we, as we pray this prayer, I want you to think about the people in your life who, again, maybe you're in conflict with, or maybe as I've been speaking, you are like, oh, I've been so impatient in this relationship, or I've not been tolerant in this relationship. Then in, this, in these moments, you know, Lift that up to God and say, God, will will you do a work in me? Will you do a work in this relationship? Because God has called, he's reconciled you to him if you're a believer, but then he's called you to be an agent of reconciliation, to bring God's love, to bring God's patience and peace and resolution in your relationships. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray that you would be working in us, among us today. And Lord, we know we, we have, we're in conflict constantly. And I pray, Lord, right now you'd be bringing to mind the folks that we're as individuals in conflict with. And Lord, would you use us to be agents of your reconciliation? Would you use us to be peacemakers? Lord, we think of, of moms who often do this with their kids But Lord, we pray that you would cause us to to step into this role. So show us now, Lord, and stir in us that desire to be peacemakers. And Lord, where we've failed, and we have failed in so many ways, we run to you. Lord, I pray for those who are here or online who they know they're still in conflict with you, that they would run to your open arms and be reconciled to you through Jesus Christ. And today would be a a new day that they're walking in reconciliation with the most important relationship in the universe, and that's a relationship with you. Lord, do that in this place today, those online. And then, Lord, may you... Use us. Give us, Lord, that this make help us to make that decision and that commitment, Lord, to bring resolution into the conflicts that we happen to be in, so that we would reflect you. Thank you, Lord. This is difficult. I know, Lord, it's it's difficult for all of us. So I pray for your supernatural enabling that we would walk in patience, loving forbearance, and resolve all the conflicts that we happen to be in for your glory and for our growth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.